I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. In this episode of the show, we did something a little bit different as we welcomed a solo guest inspirational entrepreneur Kate Bell. Uh, Kate is the founder and the CEO of Zipperson and she joined us to talk about her business, her journey and her experiences. I hope the listeners will agree Ben that I could listen to Kate all day with her sharing her experiences. I'm sure there's something for everybody in this episode so uh, as Ben says bring your notepad, take those notes away and hopefully you have something to add for your business. Get this is Get Radio, and this is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Our solo guest today is Kate Bell, who's the founder and the CEO of Zip Us In. Welcome, Kate. Hi. Thank you both for having me on. Fantastic to have you with us, and we can't wait to hear a little bit more about your experience and your journey as an entrepreneur. Um, I've been lucky enough to hear some of it, and I look forward to hearing a little bit more myself. But first of all, I think the best place is to take us back to Weymouth, February 2013, where I believe the idea was born, and tell the listeners a little bit about that moment and how the idea developed further for you with that post office visit a little bit later. <laughs> so that light bulb moment, yes. Yeah. Uh, iconic to the brand now. I'm stood on the beach, windy, cold, and about seven months pregnant with the jacket that I really loved. Um, done up only halfway with my belly kind of sticking out through the middle. Having made it that far into pregnancy, the last thing I wanted to do was spend a fortune on a maternity coat that was a waste of money and, and a waste of fabric because I wasn't going to use it for very long and then it would just end up in a charity shop or, or worse still going in the bin when it became redundant to me. So I was determined that I was going to going to make it through to the end of the pregnancy without having to um, invest in a maternity coat. But stood on that beach and thinking, this is ridiculous. I'm cold because I don't want a maternity coat. There must be something out there that could solve this problem. Of course, everything's been invented so, uh, yeah, hit Google, looking at jacket expander or, or you could buy these bra expanders or trouser expanders for, for pregnancy. But for the most, probably the most expensive piece of clothing that you own, your coat, um, there just wasn't anything. And in my mind, it seemed like such a, a sensible thing to have a simple product that would be able to zip straight into my jacket and just expand it through pregnancy. So I remember having that moment where I thought, right, this, this, this should be a thing. It should be a thing. It should be out there. Um, I need to keep researching this. Otherwise, I'm going to have to get my mum and her uh, trusty sewing machine to, to knock something up for me. And as you say, it was, it was actually a little bit later that it developed further from there because the weather improved. I didn't wear my coat quite so much. Um, so the idea went on the back burner. My daughter arrived. Um, life became insane. I was running my own marketing agency at the time. So there really wasn't a great deal of time left over between newborn baby um, to then be working on a, another business. So it was actually later on that I put that same jacket back on when I took my daughter 
out for a walk and I had her in the baby carrier, which was on top of my coat. So if you can kind of picture the workup, it was jacket on me, baby carrier on over the top, um, my daughter in her snowsuit and then into the carrier. So it was it was a good 15 minute prep work before I even stepped foot out the door, went for a bit of a walk, popped into the post office, to send off a letter. And then pretty quickly, I'm thinking, right, I'm indoors. I'm getting warm. Newborn baby's going to be getting even warmer. Obviously, baby can't monitor her own home body temperature. So she's at risk of overheating really, really quickly. So at that point, I'm right. Take her out of the baby carrier, which obviously wakes her up. Then I had to ask a stranger in the queue at the post office to hold my newborn baby while I could then take the carrier off to take my own coat off. And at that moment, I thought, hang on a minute, that thing that I was thinking about back in Weymouth to expand my jacket would actually be really useful right now because I could put the carrier on on top of my clothing and then zip the coat up around both of us. So it was then that I thought, right, stop faffing about, stop just thinking about this idea and do something with it. And I guess that's the thing, isn't it, is that people have these ideas all the time. It's the difference between whether you think that would be a really useful product whether you actually want to do something about it. And at that point, I was like, right, this, this is a thing I need. Other people really need it. So I made one for myself. Um, and every time I used it, people would just stop me and ask me where I got it from. And that really was the snowball moment for the start of the business. Mm, I absolutely love that story. You know, I could listen to that all day because it just shows me the, the entrepreneurial part in yourself, but also in terms of how many different people have different ideas, but then so it just stops there because they don't explore it further. I think it's they think it's already been done, et cetera. So I love that. Now we're going to explore um, a little bit later the journey from your, that start point to where you are now. But I'm going to go to the other end, actually, because one of the things that's always come across quite strongly from you is about your desire about to have innovation in clothing. I know that's really important to you. So tell us a little bit more about the range of products you've now developed and what continues to grow and how people then buy those products, if you like. So we have that end to end and we can fill the gap in the middle. So the jacket expander panel, I guess, was the first step towards adaptive clothing. So trying to find a solution that meant that your own clothing could be adapted for pregnancy. And in, in, Getting caught up with with that one particular product, we had um, nearly seven years of just selling that one product. And during that time, I would I would then start to get messages from customers saying, um, you know, can you produce me uh, an expander for my um, gilet, or can you produce an expander for something else? You know, all these different types of clothing items that people owned that through pregnancy they just wanted to adapt or expand. They didn't want to have to go out and, and buy new clothing. And that really started the thinking process with me about the concept of maternity wear, why we need to buy temporary clothing just because our body's changing. And I then began this whole research project, mainly focusing around the very first lockdown that we had. Um, that gave me an opportunity to slow down a little bit. I had more time. Um, and one of the first things I did, and I'm probably not the only one in the UK that did the same thing with that extra bit of time, I thought I'd have a bit of a wardrobe sort out. So I'm pulling out all of these clothes and I had boxes and boxes of clothes stored because I've been a size eight and I've also been a size 18. I've been everything in between. Um, I'm a yo-yo dieter. I've had two children. My body has changed an awful lot. And in looking at 
whether that was just me or whether this was was a, a standard journey for for most women turns out it's it's really common journey um the statistic we came across was that women change their bodies or their dress size around 31 times over a lifetime which i can completely agree because i'm i've certainly been there um and those body changes may be pregnancy it may be hormonal um it may be weight gain or weight loss uh, menopause all of those kind of things mean a change in our in our body shape or our size or our weight and so every time we change our body shape we then have to go out and buy more clothes so exactly the same in that pregnancy means buying a temporary wardrobe if we gain a bit of weight we go out and buy clothing and in my mind this was a key driving factor to the increasing demand in fast fashion if we're hearing so much in the media about the negative impact of fast fashion why is it that we're still going out and buying low cost clothing to use for such a short period of time and when i ran polls on social media about why somebody threw away a piece of clothing it nearly always came down to a change in size we we generally don't throw away clothing because it's not trendy anymore um or because it's it's beyond repair it's largely because it doesn't fit us anymore so if clothing was adaptable if it had clever innovation within those clothing items that could expand with us or or reduce in size to support us through pregnancy and we could carry on wearing all of those things that we really love and that we've invested our hard-earned money in rather than throwing them away that to me made so much sense and would be a large step forward to reducing the um, demand for fast fashion and reducing the amount of fabric that actually ended up in in landfill so i began to create the alternative range um and we have designed an entire range of clothing that that provides somebody with a capsule wardrobe so these are are really key pieces that you'd have in your wardrobe that you would wear pre-pregnancy that have an adaptable element to be able to be worn as maternity clothing so it would fit you throughout a pregnancy and then afterwards it can adapt back so that you can carry on wearing it for a lifetime no need to ever dispose of it um no need for it to get shoved at the back of your wardrobe because it doesn't fit anymore uh and and these fabrics are beautiful luxurious fabrics that are all um produced in sustainable manner we are very open about the um sustainability that that the brand is working towards um and so hopefully this will really give us a driving force towards reducing the amount of fabric in that's that's going to landfill and also doing away with maternity wear because in my mind that is fast fashion we do not need temporary clothing um hopefully this will be something women turn to to wear long term however their body shapes may change fantastic i recommend people to check out your website because uh, looking at the the website earlier uh, today was just really blow me away about the designs you've got there and they they do look fantastic so and, and that's just that's from a guy i guess um, so yeah they they look great um now just to finish off this introduction session one of the questions we asked just to get them to know Kate a little bit more is uh, your song choice for the listeners we ask our guests to give a song choice so what would be your song choice and, and why would you choose it do you know this was not difficult <laughs> And I think if anybody knows me, they'll already know which song I picked. Absolutely, would have to be David Guetta, Titanium. <laughs> so many people say to me, "You are you are made of titanium." And I think if anybody wants to run their own business, anybody who's going to be an entrepreneur, you absolutely have to be made of titanium. You have to bounce and roll and uh, just just pick yourself up time and time again. Oxfordshire Station.
Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, before that song chosen by Kate, um, we were learning about the start um, of, of Zipper Sin and really kind of the why. One of the small takeaways for me, Mike, um, is we finally found somebody with a predictable song choice. I've been the only one over the last two years, which is uh, which is good. So thank you for that, Kate. Um, so let's let's continue learning um, about Zipper Sin. Um, so I think that... The early parts of the business um, and and where some of the listeners may know you from is, is Dragon's Den. So so can you tell the listeners about, about that journey, really, um, and what it meant for the business? Well, that's an interesting one. So the concept of Dragon's Den, so many people had said to me when I talked about the Jacket Expander panel and this innovation that I'd created to solve a problem, the instant response from most people was, you should go on Dragon's Den. And my sort of core response every time was I couldn't think of anything worse (laughs) the idea of being on tv and being in front of the dragons to me just seemed terrifying Um, so I kept laughing off and kept thinking yep no that's that's not something I wanted to do Um, until I got to the point that I really wanted to grow the business at speed and that obviously was going to involve investment. So I really needed to look at the way we were going to move the business forward, getting cash flow in so that we could launch into new territories and um, bring new products to market. At that point, when um, when the researchers get in, got in touch with me and said, you know, would you like to come and audition? Um, I took a breath and thought, you know what, I, I need to push myself outside of my comfort zone. This is something I really don't want to do. But it's cutting my nose off to spite my face. I'm not being true to the business. The business needs investment. We, we need to get the uh, the brand name out so that people know that the product offering is available. Um, so, yeah, I bit the bullet and uh, traveled up to do the, um, the audition. And I guess at that point, I thought to myself, right, well, I'll go for it. If it's meant to be, then somehow I'll make it through the audition. In my mind, I was going to stand there in front of the camera and um, um and ah for, for a few minutes and they would say, thank you very much, you can leave now. Um, somehow I managed to get through the audition and they actually phoned me while I was on the train on the way home and said, yes, you've, you've got a spot. So it was a uh, bittersweet, really, I guess, because that, that meant even more terrifying moments ahead. Um, and at that point, there was months of research to do. I guess when you watch the show, um, what you tend not to see is is all the work that goes on in the background beforehand. So there was all the due diligence to be done, looking at how I would formulate my pitch and making sure that everything I said was accurate. And then, of course, the knowing the numbers. I mean, that's the one, isn't it? When you see people on the show and everybody goes, why don't you know your numbers? <laughs> I needed to know the business inside now. And when you're running it on a day-to-day basis, of course, you know the running of your own business, but actually knowing every possible figure that they may ask you spanning back five years and, and going forward five years, that's a lot of information to hold on to. And I would say it was actually a huge blessing in disguise to go through that process because I needed to pull the business to pieces and actually look at everything that I was doing, everything I'd done up to that point, everything that I was planning to do in the future. And it was a a, um, phenomenal opportunity for a a really good deep delve into the business and and how it was running. And at that point, I was confident that I was ready to stand in front of the dragons. Um, My pitch was amazing. I was really happy with that. And then came the questions. And uh, and that's the the truly terrifying bit. Um, But, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd done my background work. I knew what I wanted to say. 
And actually, I think it was a fairly accurate representation of where the business was at the time. Um, definitely not the most enjoyable experience of my life, but something I certainly don't regret doing because I, I am a huge believer in pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and only good things can, can come of those experiences. Um, it was an amazing experience. It helped my confidence, my understanding of the business. Um, and the thing I remember the most was that they were pointing out to me all the mistakes that I'd made on the, the journey. Um, and I was really confident in standing there and saying, yes, I've made loads of mistakes. And I wouldn't change any, any of them at all because that's what got the business to where it is now. So, yeah, I don't regret doing, doing the show. Um, and then the response afterwards was, was just phenomenal. The, the public backing was amazing. Um, and that, that really helped to, to push the brand forward. Fantastic. Well, thanks for thanks for that insight. You know, we all perhaps watch it as a as a TV program, but to see the behind the scenes bit is is always quite interesting. Um, you touched a, a little bit on your introduction stage about the you know getting your mum out with the sewing machine and all that sort of stuff at that, and we can probably all relate to that as a startup. But I'm going to take you to another pitching event that you told me about on my podcast when you. You know, I guess if you've got a product, the desire for all of us is if we can pitch to retailers. And you sh- kindly shared a story with me um, about the experience of pitching to the buyers at Boots HQ and then having to think on your feet afterwards. So, so share that with our listeners, because I think that'd be really useful. So the, uh, the the buying team had contacted me through our Facebook page um, only about six months into launching the product. So initially I'd launched the, the product, I built my own website and we were just making them to order. So I'd launched a Facebook page so that we could share information and, and get the product out there. Um, and I'd had a, a message from them to say that they were doing a mumpreneur project, which was looking at products developed by mums, having found a need for a certain product uh, through their own experience. So they invited me to come up to this, this um, mumpreneur day. And there were maybe 30 or 40 other mumpreneurs that were invited along to show their product, all at various stages, some at concept, some where I was, where we were just starting out and some a little bit further on. And we were all put in a room together with other brand owners who had gone through that process of getting a product into Boots and had been selling with Boots for a year or more. So we had the opportunity to talk to other retailers. And to me, that was just phenomenal because... I was just selling this little jacket expander panel from my Facebook page. It didn't seem like a a big deal to me at the time. Um, So to be able to talk to other mums who had developed a product, got it into boots and and had been doing really well was a great opportunity. And I had a million and one questions. And then came the point where we were invited one by one in to sit with the buyers to talk them through our product. So I went in and I sat down and I showed them that picture of me on Weymouth Beach and I reiterated the story. There I was, my jacket didn't fit, blah, 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 as you heard. Um, And they sat there very serious faced and uh, I felt a little bit out of my depth. And they said to me, if you could just wait outside for a minute, please. Uh, So I went outside. A few minutes later, they called me back in and said, how quickly do you think you could get it on our shelves? And I think my jaw probably hit the table. Um... And this was September and there's me sat there saying, oh, by Christmas, we, we could we could definitely have it in stock by Christmas. How naive and how little did I know? But it's that that old um, say yes and work out the details later. So I was going to have it in stores by by Christmas and um, thanked them a million and one times before I, I left 
feeling absolutely overwhelmed and a little bit gobsmacked that something I'd created was actually going to go into a high street store. Uh, in fact, it was the following Christmas that we made it into store. It took almost a year to do the product testing, the insurances, and, and obviously to manufacture in larger quantities is a huge difference between making to order um, for, for five or 10 orders that are coming through a website a week and, and supplying a, a brand like Boots. So it was a lengthy process and was a massive learning curve. I had no experience with retail or manufacturing, so I had a huge amount to learn. Um, but the day I walked into the Boots store and saw my product on the shelf was just a phenomenal feeling. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your thoughts so far. We'll continue the conversation after this. Introducing you to local trusted experts. This is the Business Brunch Podcast, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, before that song, um, we were talking to Kate about that boot story um, and the Dragon's Den pitch. Um, and Kate, I just want to bring the conversation on, on, on a little bit to... The work around the product. Um, so, so I know off in air, we've we've had lots of conversations about um, patents and trademarks um, and finding um, the right people to make it and, and 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 getting the right material together. So, can you share that journey with the listeners a little bit and kind of give give that insight to that journey? Absolutely. So that's the crazy thing, isn't it? You walk into a shop and you pick something off the shelf and you you have absolutely no idea what's gone into the background of, of getting that product ready for market. Um, and it is it is in, incredibly in-depth uh, and it's it has been a, a long learning process for me. So the alternative range, the concept of adaptable clothing that grows with you, this became a concept to me initially. Um, and then I started thinking about how I was going to develop specific products within that range. So first and foremost, I wanted to produce a cardigan that could be worn multi-ways, that was suitable for pregnancy, that had belly band support, um, but that also could be used as a baby carrier. So that had multi-function, so that this was an item in a sustainable fabric that would also be used long-term and then after pregnancy wouldn't be redundant, would have use long after that. So having had the, the, the idea, um, the idea then had to be put on paper and um, I am no artist. So that was a challenge in itself, trying to draw little sketches so that I could then put that to a graphic designer for them to produce um, drawings. We then have to put together a tech pack, which gives our manufacturers an overview of exactly how it needs to be made. So to communicate those elements to a manufacturer is quite a complicated process. We needed measurements exactly how long the hems needed to be, how long the sleeves needed to be, and, and every single element. And that's before we even get to the fact that it's going to be a baby carrier. Now, there is a huge safety element behind something that's going to support child. Um, so looking at all of those things, all of that had to get put into a tech pack before it goes off to the factory for them to start producing prototypes. And I think for that particular item, we went through maybe about 12 to 15 different prototypes because every time they come over there's something you haven't quite thought about or something doesn't work quite the way you wanted it to so there's a lot of back and forward um, and when we had the the item that I thought was exactly what I wanted felt comfortable it then has to go out for product testing so we have to put it out to mums with varying baby sizes or, or different ages age brackets um, and people that would use it differently and and just sort of hand it over to them and say tell me tell me what you think um, 
And the critical feedback is really, really vital because mm-hmm. I need that to make sure that the product is exactly what the public are going to want and that they'll love it as much as we like the concept. So all of that feedback then, of course, leads to tweaking the product yet again. And when we finally have a think, an, an item that we love, that our consumers seem to love, um, the product testers seem to love, and that we put out to um, industry specialists, it then has to go for safety testing. And that's a long process. So um, about six weeks, quite a, a huge amount of expense to make sure that it's as sustainable as we think it is, that the fabric is non-toxic, that it can go next to a baby and it'll be perfectly safe, that it can support the baby in an ergonomical position so that its hips are safe and that it's not just going to drop or fall out or, you know, that it's safe and that the item is comfortable. So safety testing was a huge tick in the box. That was a real um, breath-holding moment for me until we got that certification through, which was fantastic. And that actually led to the cardigan being the first item of clothing that ever been safety tested as a baby carrier. So that was a, a huge step forward. Um, and at that point, we've got to make sure that the, the names that we've chosen are trademark. So talking to our lawyers to make sure that our trademarks are in place. And that they are worldwide. If we're going to be selling this item globally, we need to make sure that our IP is well protected, that the design is protected, that if there's any elements in any of the products we've developed that are patentable, that we put those applications in. Um, obviously, the patent applications are to go in pre, pre-product testing. And really only then is it ready to start beginning to, to get to the concept of bringing that product to market. And then it's looking at how we market it um, and how many we think we're going to to justify ordering initially. And that's that's the, the big deal, handing over the, the money for that first order in the hope that, that people really will love it. So yeah, it's, a, it's a, a much longer process than I would have even imagined when I first started Zip Us In. Thanks, Kate. Really useful, uh, really useful thoughts and thought-provoking for our listeners to, to build upon. Um, one of the things that I think would be really also useful for our listeners is if we're interested in e-commerce and cross-border, because that's obviously what your business has now developed to be in terms of being that global business. So any sort of thoughts that you could share for our listeners about maybe challenges or tips around maybe running an e-commerce business or going that going global? <laughs> Going global, uh, yeah, cross-border, that's probably something I'd need several hours to talk you through all the challenges there. Um, yeah, obviously, um, pre-Brexit was a different ball game, so there's been a whole heap of learning, again, over the last few years, um, making sure that all the regulations are, are in place, all of our insurances are in place. So looking at the insurances to sell in other countries um, was a big barrier to start with and something we tend not to think about. Um, importing and exporting is really challenging. So having the right contacts for the right support to make sure that the product is being moved correctly with the right paperwork. Um, One of the things that we found incredibly useful in the early days actually was Amazon. And as much as we love to hate Amazon, um, the useful thing with the platform is that it's a fairly simple way to start cross-border process. So in sending product into Amazon UK, it's a fairly easy step then to start selling your products via the European platforms of Amazon. Um, We then launched via Amazon into the US and Canada. Um, We now sell with Amazon across 36 different countries. And the useful part of that was because it's so simple, it gave us an opportunity to test markets. So rather than sending a crate of 500 products um, you know, out to Switzerland in the hope that, that that might be a suitable market for us, 
we were able to do it via Amazon and just dip a toe in the water um, and, and get Amazon to send the product to various countries from their UK warehouses. And then we were able to build up a picture of where our products were most suitable and where we would then need storage facilities to be able to work alongside distributors or retailers within those countries and where there was demand. Um, so, yeah, using Amazon was a, was, was a really key part of our early strategy. Amazing. No, really, really insightful. Thank you for that, Kate. And we will go to another break, but we'll continue the conversation after this. The Business Brunch Podcast from Get Radio. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, today, we're really delighted to have Kate Bell from Zip Us In. Um, and we've really been talking about that journey from, from the concept right through to creating the product and the values around it and, and, and fast forward to today. Um, Kate, one of the things I, I wanted to talk to you more about um, is, is, is current and future, really, of, of the business. And I know that a big focus for you um, going forward is around um, investors and around scaling, um, which I'm, you know, really, really pleased to be a very tiny part of, very tiny part. Um, it'd be just really interesting to learn about that journey of getting investment and, and what, what the future of the business looks like. And of course, I'm very, very pleased to have you as part of that team. Um, yeah, at the point that I knew that we needed to launch into new territories and, and launch a new product range, um, I had to then start forecasting the cash flow and looking at how we were going to fund that high growth process. So it seemed the right thing to do to look for investment for the brand, partly because of the money, but also partly to grow the team. Having investors on board has largely been for um, support and to have different thoughts coming into the business, um, different people to bounce off of, different characters really helps the business diversify. So at the point of deciding that that's what we needed, um, post Dragon's Den, we secured our first investment round. That was a fairly small investment. And we were then able to launch into the US and Canada through that raise. Um, jumping forward two years on from that, we were then looking at raising a, a larger sum of money to be able to launch the alternative range into all the countries that we already sell the jacket expander panels into. So looking for investors, was um, again, yet another major learning point for me, not something I knew a, a heap about at the time. Um, and I probably picked one of the most difficult times to raise investments so coming out of the pandemic, post-Brexit, um, so much negativity in the media about rising cost of living. It's, it's been challenging. Um, one of the statistics that, that I found during uh, this investment raise is that uh, less than 1% of funding actually goes to female founders. And that was absolutely mind wow. to me. So to be able to secure um, a, a fund, a VC fund for this investment raise was a massive step forward and was um, incredible to, to do that deal. So we had that in place and we were then looking to complement the, the sort of corporate investment with interesting individuals that had experience in business that would really bring something more than just capital mm -hmm. into the brand. Um, and that's when I went looking for, for just the right people. And we have an amazing team now. Um, we have a monthly Zoom where we're, we're all chatting and bouncing off of one another. And it, it creates such a, a 
great community within the business. We are now heading towards the close of that investment raise, which seems to have um, gone on longer than I would have hoped. Uh, and, and that will then, so our, our last few partners that we can, we can find that we're negotiating with at the moment um, will close the round and enable us to really grow the business much, much faster over the next few years. Fantastic. And I know um, every day we have to be selling our business story, don't we? And, you know, I introduced you as an entrepreneur because I know you've also run a, a multi-million pound uh, copywriting and marketing company. So how important was that background to you and what tips would you give to other entrepreneurs about how they can best sell their story or promote their business? Yeah, that was key, if I'm honest. That was um, a huge part of our of, of the brand's early success once I had this product concept, the first thing I did was formulate a brand name, create a logo, um, put together a website and a Facebook page. You know, these are things that for somebody who has maybe product experience, that could be quite costly, that marketing um, investment in the early days. So to be able to do that myself and get that out there quite quickly was really beneficial. And then to understand the customer base that I was appealing to. See, the, the key thing in selling the business is to really understand what the problem is you're solving and who you're solving it for. Um, and, and if I'm honest, even I got that a little bit wrong in the early days because I needed to listen. So I thought when I launched the Jacket Expander panel that it would largely be for people looking to save on the cost of maternity clothing. And actually the sustainability element, cutting down the, the fabric wastage, that was huge. But also people that have invested in a, in a fairly expensive and technical jacket um, who weren't able to find a waterproof outdoor coat for maternity on the market at the time, wanted a jacket expander panel so they could carry on wearing that particular coat. So in the first sort of few months, really, I had to interact really closely with the customers and understand what their buying decision looks like and how I then use that to market the company moving forward. So probably one of the key things I would say for anybody that doesn't have marketing experience that's starting out in an e-commerce business would be to interact with your customer base. Don't assume that you know who your, your customer is and really find out, really do your background research, speak to, speak to people that have bought from you or, or that are looking to buy from you and get to understand why they chose you, why they chose your product, or why they chose your business, and then how you can find other people that fit into that same category. Um, we've been described as a niche business on, on numerous occasions, and, and often I thought that that makes us seem like we're, we're capturing a small market, but actually there's nothing wrong with being niche. It's not a, it's, uh, it's not a negative thing just to be able to understand that market that we're sitting in um, has been phenomenally valuable in then targeting the market for the business moving forward. Uh, really, really interesting. Um, one of the things that you touched on earlier um, in one of your answers, which which really, um, really shocked me, if, if I'm being really honest, is that funding goes to 1% of female founders. Um, what, what, why do you think that is? Elaborate. Oh, right. This is the controversial bit. <laughs> Sorry, I set it up, didn't I? <laughs> so I would say there is still an element that if you look at startups, um, more startups are, are founded by men than there are women. So generally, there, there is a slight outweighing in, in numbers. So that that's a, a large proportion of it. Um, 
I also think there is still this mindset that women aren't as aggressive or as driven as men founders. Um, so some of the things I've faced in terms of um, objections when speaking to investors, I had one that said to me, this is a lovely little business you've got. Why don't you keep it as a lifestyle business to work around your children? Um, so to, it, it's really important to change that mindset. Yes, I'm a mother. Um, I have children. I also have ambition um, and drive and innovation. And I'm bringing that to the market and I'm going to do a really good job in that. Um, and I'm going to work just as hard as, as anybody that doesn't have children or as anybody that's different sex. That's irrelevant. So trying to just change the mindset, really, that, that women founders are not looking for just a lifestyle business. Actually, we're perfectly capable of creating a global brand and pushing that forward. I think there is this, this sort of... Um, argument between between men and women and and trying to actually bring that together that in my mind a, a, a mixed gender team is so important because we see things differently a woman's Absolutely. way of thinking and approaching a communication and and everything in the way we do business is different to the way a man does and actually if we don't have both then is the business really capable of true growth and diversification and appealing to a mass market. So I do think it's important to have to have both. And I think anybody that is looking at only male-founded businesses um, are going to massively miss out. You just mentioned a word there in terms of um, appealing to the market, which I think is, is quite key, obviously. Um, but the thing that appeals to a lot of people at the moment is about sustainability. And I know you um, are working every day on your sustainability model and you have a buy it back scheme. So tell the listeners a little bit more about that and how it works in practice. The buy it back scheme. Um, obviously, the Jack Expander panel is used through pregnancy and when baby wearing. So most of our customers use it for about a two year period. Um, what I really don't want any of our products to ever do is end in landfill, become redundant. So we encourage our customers to either pass those along. Um, we have a, um, a secondhand resale on our website. But if customers have used it and finished with it and they don't have somebody else that they can pass it on to, then we offer the opportunity for us to buy it back. Um, it gives them a little bit of cash back on their purchase. And it means that we're bringing that used product back into the business. Um, we will look to pass them to women's charities. Um, quite often we will pick up jackets that aren't being used anymore, pair the jacket expander panel with a jacket and pass them on to women's shelters to be used as maternity wear. Um, we pass them to sling libraries all across the country for them to use within their libraries and to lend out so that people can product test before they decide whether they want to buy one. An absolute worst case scenario, we'll recycle it. Um, but, but that hopefully will be our way of stopping any of those products ever being um, disposed of. Amazing. Amazing. No, thank you. Um, Kate, we are coming to the end of the show. Um, but before we do so, what Mike and I often like to do um, is to ask our guests to give a top tip to our listeners. Um, so if you were to give a top tip to the business owners, owners listening about general business, what would be, yeah, what would be your top tip from your learnings over the, over the journey of, of running two businesses? <sighs> Right. It's probably not the first time I've been heard saying it either. And it's one I tell the kids a lot. <laughs> um, be prepared to fail. I think that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned over the 18 years I've, I've run businesses 
So in those early days, you, you think everything has to be successful and you have to you have to make all the right choices and you can't make mistakes. And actually, when I decided to let that go and just go for it, make mistakes. And if I make a mistake, then I have a learning opportunity and I have um, a potential to develop as a person, to grow the business better, to get better foundations for the company. And that is so key. So we should feel okay with mistakes and with failure because it's such an important part of personal growth. Amazing. No, thank you so much. Um, I could, as Mike said at the start, I could talk um, to you and, and, and about this topic all day, but unfortunately that is the end of the show. So thank you so much um, for joining us on the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio today. Um, if you are just tuning in, we've had Kate Bell of Zip Us In, and we would really, really recommend um, listening back on the Get Radio website. Thank you so much, Kate, for your time and contribution to our discussion.